0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we try something new today. It is called Your Say Wednesday. And what is it? The lines are open. We take the calls. People say what they want. And you want to know what they're talking about? People apparently are a little bent out of shape about snow days. What's with all the snow days? Well, you can hear them. Also, chatting with Bob O'Neill from CHCH about the CFL and why seemingly all the good teams, except for maybe the Thai Cats, are out in the West. What's going on with this league? All coming up here on the podcast.
1: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
0: We are going to do something a little different tonight. I am throwing the floor open to you because there have been so many stories going on. You've been sitting there listening to them, reading about them, watching them, seeing them unfold, sitting there wanting to have your say in this. Well, we're going to do that now. Because you've been hearing lots about this stuff. I'm happy to talk about the SNC Lavalin situation. We'll talk about that in just a second anyway, but you're feel free to jump in with your thoughts on that one. The Red Hill Creek debate that is going on right now. Should the city be releasing the findings, the reports to the public? Which I think most people would say, uh yeah? How is this a debate? How is this a discussion? How is this even up for debate? That well, You can talk about that. We can talk about schools closing. Lots of people today saying, what is going on with the public school board? Everyone else seems to be able to open. But beyond that, let's start there. And again, feel free to jump in on any of these at any time. We can talk about whatever you want. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. But let me start with the schools because there's been a lot of talk about this. And of course, it's been a tough winter, especially recently, and schools closing and all the rest, and people having all kinds of debates about whether or not we should always be cautious, lean on the side of caution. If there's any chance that there could be an accident or there could be a, a crash or someone could die, we, we should be cl- closing the schools. Let's not take any risks. Well, okay, a couple things. First of all, yes. If the weather is outrageous, yes. Yes. Of course, we've done this. We have had school days for that particular reason for decades. That's, that's, this is not something new. Yes, if things are really out of control, yes. But the idea that if it's just a little bit bad that we should shut it down because something bad could happen. Look, if that is our new barometer that we are going to close schools because something bad could happen, there's a chance something bad could happen. There's an awful lot of other stuff that schools are going to have to do. Schools are going to have to cancel sports because something bad could happen in a football game or a rugby game or a hockey game. Someone could get hurt. Someone could break a neck. Someone could break a leg. Someone could potentially die. I mean, is is that an an exaggeration? It's the nth degree for sure. But if we are now at the point where we are trying to make plans based on worst case scenario, preventing any harm to anybody, hmm, we should ban any food that anyone could be allergic to. Don't want that. I mean, you understand how this becomes a problem. If if the weather is truly bad. Yes, absolutely. By all means. I said the phones are open. Rajiv is up first today. Rajiv, how are you today? I'm fine. it's How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. What is on your mind today? The floor is yours, my friend.
2: Thank you, thank you. Nice listening to you every evening. Oh, I
0: appreciate that, Rajiv.
2: Thank you. So my comments about two things. Number one is about school. Let's talk about schools. The only problem is this, that the parents are getting too sensitive now. And if something happens to one of the students or any kid, who will pay for that? And I believe either we have to have a disclaimer from the school that Safety of your kid is belongs to you. We will keep it open 365 days or whichever the day. But if anything happens, it's your discretion, it's your uh, uh, responsibility. And second part about the Red Hill. Everybody was talking about Red Hill reports, Red Hill uh, issues. But my, my only one which I'm missing the puzzle is Nobody's asking that who asked for this report. Who is asking for this report and why, why this report was created? And these are the two things which I'm trying to give my feedback on.
0: Rajiv, I, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening regularly. Uh, let, let's go to, in order here. Let's start with the schools. And, and again, 905-645-3221, star 9900. The lines are open for the first hour if you want to get in. The floor is yours. Rajiv has, I mean, his point is right that we have reached a point now where if something bad were to happen because the schools opened, someone is going to be pointing fingers at the school, the school board. We live in a litigious society. That is not entirely the fault of the school board. You know whose fault that is. It's our fault. It's the fault of the people who have sued school boards over the years. It is the fault of the people who have sued because someone trips and falls on a playground during recess and breaks an arm and sues a school saying my kid was allowed to have something bad happen to them. Once upon a time, we didn't do that. Once upon a time, we didn't want our kids to get hurt. But if a kid broke his arm or her arm or got stitches or whatever else, that was part of life. That was part of growing up. Now, not so much. Now, it's got to be someone's fault. So yes, and and imagine if now it was a snowstorm. So it's our fault. It's our fault. School boards are merely reflecting. Maybe reflecting too quickly, but reflecting us.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Your Say Wednesday, that's what we're calling it today. I haven't done this before where we're throwing the first hour to you. The first hour is yours. There's so many things to talk about that are getting in people's craw. What's going on in Ottawa with the SNC-Lavalin thing? Big news today in that one. The Justice Committee has decided, voting predictably along party lines, that they will restrict any investigation into this. And guess what? All the Liberals have voted, and they have the majority, have voted that we won't allow Jody Wilson-Raybould or the Prime Minister to be called for this. Only peripheral people, which will answer nothing. It's 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 ridiculous. The whole thing is just a sham. Anyway, there's that. There is the Red Hill Creek Expressway. That discussion is going on in City Council right now about whether the documents and the report should be released. And there's school closures. School closures are a hot topic on a cold day for a whole bunch of reasons. Let me go to Chris. By the way, numbers is 905-645-3221. Star 9900. As I say, the floor is yours. Chris, you're up. How are you tonight?
3: Oh, not too bad. How are you?
0: Doing I'm doing excellent. Thanks. What's on your mind?
3: Well, I I have to say the the school closure idea, there's two aspects to it. One is obviously the safety of the students. Yes. And of course, that's one of the ones. But we also have to consider the workers, the, the teachers, the staff who have to come in. And, you know, today, um, the Catholic boards left the schools open, but but cancel the buses obviously the bus company said it was too too treacherous to drive right and, and when i'm looking at this and i'm going well that's great so there's really going to be 90 percent of the students not there but now the staff still have to go in and they have to manage getting in and getting out and i'm not talking about whether or not it was too treacherous or not to get in or get out but the point being is that if there's nobody at the school to teach then what is the staff doing there and more to the point why are we paying for them
0: A few things here, Chris, and you've touched on a bunch of stuff. My first point on this would be the idea of the staff going in. Uh, Last I looked... Almost all the private sector employers that were out there, their staff was expected to be in at work and figure out how to get to work. So, my sympathy. As was I. Yeah, and, as and
3: was I. I had to do that too.
0: Today. And so, my sympathy for that, again, if it's really extravagantly horrible weather, I'm with you. All right. I like don't make anyone drive in that kind of stuff, especially as you say, if the students aren't going to be there. But if this is the weather like today, where almost everybody who works in the private sector apparently was able to get to their job. I don't think teachers are uniquely, specially disabled or un- disadvantaged to be able to do the same thing. Is my well, point no, but on that I'm one? Well,
3: I'm looking at the point of why. Why, why do in it? fact, do they keep the schools open? And of course, it's all about funding. So the public board decided to close. That means they don't receive their funding for today. Whereas the Catholic board stayed open. So because the school is open, they actually get funding.
0: Very interesting, Chris. I appreciate the call. Thank you. I okay, really now. appreciate that. Let me go to Amanda. Ma- Amanda, how are you tonight?
4: Hi, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. Thank you for calling. What's on your mind tonight?
4: Uh, well, I was calling actually with regards to school. Okay. Um, I think the problem lies with, I mean, I can sympathize with, with all sides of the story. I can sympathize with the parents because people are paying for daycare even if they have to stay home and they take their other children home. People have to take time off of work. And I, I can sympathize. I understand. Um, but I think the problem here doesn't lie with calling it a school day or not, I think it lies with the fact that it has to be a board-wide decision. Um, I think Hamilton, both, both of our major school boards are huge, just in geographical size. And you can ask anybody that, well, you know, in rural areas of Hamilton are getting nailed by terrible ice storms. Maybe some areas of Hamilton are actually clear, or they've been taken care of, or the roads are clear. So I think those decisions shouldn't come from the school board, I think they should come from the school communities and local
0: schools. You know, Amanda, it is an excellent point. I thought the exact same thing myself. We have a split city as far as how things were If you're downtown, often below the escarpment, often it is raining and it's snowing up on the mountain. We know that's how it works. And so there are times when it can be really bad on the mountain and it can be fine to get around downtown. And I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, I understand there would be issues that you would have some people saying, well, I go to a school or I teach at a school in the lower city, so I can't get there. I I know the complications, but I I love your idea and I love your thought. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Let me move along here. By the way, 905-645-3221, star 9900. You can talk about anything. School boards closing has been the topic du jour so far, but the floor is yours. Whatever you want to talk about for this first hour. Fred joins me now. Fred, how are you today?
5: Not bad, Scott. Excellent. I'm, glad that, I'm glad you got an open line here. I'm talking about the school boards, okay? Okay. The reason why I, I spoke to a teacher, a public, and she told me that two or three years ago there was a, a woman teacher coming into work that got killed. So now they close the schools. Anytime the buses aren't running, the teachers do not go in.
0: Oh, anytime now, the buses are not running, the school is closed, period.
5: That is correct. Now... The Catholic board, for some reason, the board, as that one lady was saying, they make the decision. Now, up in the this, escarpment, in this we always have worse weather than downtown, okay? But for some reason, last year, twice, the board had the Catholic school had people go to school with the ice that we had today, okay? Now they did it again. When I, They had the buses canceled and the schools open, so these teachers... They have to, these women, and that have to drive to work, and it could have gotten hurt again or whatever. Like, we had trouble, myself getting out of my driveway and everything else. Well, these people going to work, a lot of the kids didn't go to school anyway because they stayed home. So I don't know why uh, the Catholic Board is doing this, because the Protestants, they always do it, but they keep voting, the, girl, the teachers keep voting for the same chairperson Which maybe they should not
1: vote for that chairperson.
0: Fred, I gotta go to a break I gotta go to a break, but I really thank you for your call. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on nine hundred CHML.
0: Your say Wednesday. That's what we're calling it today. First hour is yours. To talk about anything, happy to talk about the Red Hill Creek Expressway. That's the debate that's going on right now at City Council about whether to release these reports and have an investigation, which seems like it's the most obvious thing in the world. I don't understand the argument against these kind of things. We've had a report that should be public that says the road is too slippery. At least that's what we're told it says. And this thing was buried, and who knows if it could have or did cause accidents. We don't really know this. This is the crystal clear, I would think, reason why you have an investigation. We can talk about that. Love to hear from you on that one. We can talk about the SNC-Lavalin situation, what happened in Ottawa today, where the Justice Committee that could have investigated or could investigate what's going on, which has a majority of Liberal members voted shockingly, I say, with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, shockingly, to not have an investigation into this, at least not one that would call on the prime minister or Jody Wilson-Raybould. So it basically becomes a, a shell of an investigation. You can talk about that if that's frustrating. you. We're talking about schools a lot. A lot of people talking about school closures, about the idea of should schools be closing as quickly. And you can you can go further than that. If schools do close, is there something is there some way with modern technology we can still have class at home? I'll talk about that in a second. But first Karen has been waiting very patiently online. Karen, thanks for calling today. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for calling. Thanks for waiting. We made you sit yeah, there for a while.
4: You. No problem. I just wanted to make a point that my understanding is that both the public and Catholic school board, if they cancel the reason they cancel buses yes. and have schools open is because Every student that shows up at school, they get funding for. If the school is closed completely, they do not get funding for any of those students for whatever the number of days is. So So it's to their advantage to have um, people, teachers and students come to school and buses are canceled because that way, at least they get funding for the students that show up to school.
0: It's a really interesting point, and Karen, I'm going to be honest, you are ahead of me on this one. I'm going to have to look that one up, because I was yeah. not aware of that, but it's yeah, check it out. I'm going to, because if that's the case, that does explain some things, potentially. Yeah. So I, I appreciate your call. Thank you for that.
4: And in regards to yeah. the, the Justin Trudeau thing with Jody wilson Yes. that's an interesting thing as well, because um, Justin Trudeau... Um, basically said, well, she's still in cabinet. That was yesterday, but now she's resigned. So that's interesting in itself because now that she's resigned, she's no longer in cabinet. So there's something going on there that we don't know about.
0: I'm sure we're going to hear more about that. I may get to that in a few minutes, but I, but I, and I really do appreciate you calling. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let me say one more thing. Before we got Fred, we got Frank waiting on the line. Before I get to them, just one more thing about the school thing. Because it's not just about closing the schools and weather. Here's the other part about this that I am very puzzled by and haven't really been able to get a good answer yet. Yesterday, I was filling in for Scott Thompson yesterday in the afternoon, in the midday show. You can go and hear that interview, that segment. It's on 900chml.com. Go to the Scott Thompson show. You'll find it there. It'll show his face, but it was me. And Alex Johnstone, who is the chairman of the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board was on, yesterday was also a snow day. And I said at the time, at what point do we start or do we start adding days at the back end of school or canceling PD days, PA days, PD days, whatever they're called now, to make up for this lost time? Our students are missing out on education time. And heaven knows the EQAO scores in this city are not so fantastic that we can afford this. Our kids need the learning time. And the answer was, we won't be doing this. This is not something we do. You would have to petition the minister of education who would have to strike a deal with the teacher unions. That's not going to happen. You and I and everyone listening knows that's not going to happen. But this, so what the answer was, as she provided, as Alex Johnstone said, is that the teachers will compress the schedule, will compress their days to make up for the time that was missed. So, and we're expecting, by the way, more snow days. We're expecting more storms. We're going to compress the days so we can squeeze in all this stuff, all this time that was missed. Raises a very obvious question for me. What exactly are we doing with our school days if we have built in all this time that we can compress all this stuff? What are we wasting our time? What are we filling our days with, our kids' school days with, if we've got all this available time that we can now squeeze in these lost five days so far? We don't have, as I say, good math scores in this city. If we've got all this available time that is essentially superfluous, doesn't matter, we can get rid of it and put in other things, why not use that time to actually teach more math or more core courses so that some of those EQAO scores can go up? This, to me, raised so many flashing lights. If we've got all this built-in free time or unimportant time or excess time or unimportant things that we can drop in our curriculum. Why are we not dropping those anyway and getting in some of the things that we are not doing well? Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to me. And the other point that was brought up is Alex Johnstone and I appreciated her coming on said, well, we have technology now, we can help, help catch up. Here's an idea, and we mentioned this yesterday as well. Here's an idea. Kids now, many of them at many of the schools, now have iPads. They've been given those by the school. They are allowed now, after a discussion last week, you may have heard it on our show, when we had Manny Figueroa, who was on, the director of education, said, yeah, the kids can now use their own iPhones in class, their own laptops in class. It's a school day. All right, it's snowing, you can't get to school, but it is still a work day, theoretically. Why not use that technology so the teacher sits at home in front of his laptop with the camera on and teaches the class? And the students who are at home, only because they couldn't get to school, not because it was a day off, have those students do their class at home. What would be the difficulty with that? Why would that not make sense? Use the time. Well... Here's the quote that Alex Johnstone said. Many students and parents and their guardians are spending this day perhaps catching up on homework, perhaps accessing additional learning resources and exploring new opportunities while they're at home. Let me tell you what those new opportunities are. Netflix. This is a time we could use the technology to proceed with the classes even when kids can't be in school. We are wasting this opportunity. And giving people a day off when it should be a work day because all private sector people, or at least most of them, seem to be able to get to their jobs most of the time.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Throwing open the lines for this first hour today, we're calling it Your Say Wednesday. First time we've done this, whatever you want to talk about is yours. We've been talking a lot about schools and snow days and everything else. Let's go to Fred. Fred, how are you tonight? excellent what do you got what's on your mind
5: uh here's an idea maybe worthy of pondering and consideration okay airline pilots professional athlete police officer they all have random drug testing why not Random drug testing at City Hall. Employees, politicians, <laughs> testing.
0: You, you think that you think our politicians need some drug testing?
5: Oh yeah, <laughs> THC, C two H 50 O H. Seriously, somehow things have to be straightened out. Fred I' take, take your answer off the air and
0: thank you I appreciate your call uh, I I think our our city councilors would love the <laughs> suggestion that they are a bunch of doped out politicians um I am I I am loath to have I, I'm not a big proponent of mandatory drug testing except in circumstances where lives potentially are at risk or you know in sports I get it in sports for, for the issue of fairness I get it but for airline pilots yeah you know I I don't I, I don't have a problem with airline pilots you got you got people's lives at risk after Humboldt even though he wasn't even though the driver wasn't impaired I, I, I would have no problem or at least I could be talked into I think the idea of having those breath things in an 18 wheeler so the the car, it only starts if you blow into it and your breath is clear. I, I could probably be talked into that. Politicians? Mm-hmm. It might be a slightly tougher one. Frank, how are you tonight?
6: I'm very well. You know, I'm going to keep it a little bit low on you here. Uh, but before I start, I'm not going to get onto this this uh, snow, but people in Sudbury, Timmins, um, well, even in you know, northern New Brunswick, they're laughing at us, They're closing schools. You know that, eh? Well, school, it is there, a different, would
0: go to school. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a different world here and there for sure.
6: <laughs> yes, but uh, and um, I just was going to make a sign here, um, uh, Scott Radley, for school trustee, but uh, you interrupted me by taking my call. But I'm going to still think it over.
0: I will not be running for school trustee. I guarantee you, you're ever. Too
6: lo- you're too
0: logical. I'm, I am I have not, well, no, I'll just leave it there. I am not running for political office ever. You can make a, write that down. You can etch it in stone, Frank. Never going to happen. But continue. Well,
1: I'll,
6: I'll tell you, I hear the same story from a lot of the candidates in the United States right now. Anyway, let's leave that one alone. Listen, back in my day, and, and you know, we used to have, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on the fact that kids don't have a chance to get out and about as much as they should today. They used to, the fire department used to put up sideboards on a different uh, municipal parks, and they used to fill, uh, you know, spray the water on and make ice rinks. And we used to play out in woodlands with the lights on at night. Um, Big Four fastball was at Dundurn. I don't know if you remember all this. <laughs> God, maybe you weren't around then. They had baseball diamonds in a lot of areas where you could just go in and pick up a game, and there'd be a backboard there. This has ceased. Now we're talking about lots about legalities and and, and the risks and whatever. Don't you think we're getting a little bit tied up in the... You're mentioning suing the city for somebody sliding down a hill and and running into a fire hydrant. I just think we're going the wrong way here, Scott. Well,
0: I agree. No, Frank, I agree with you 100%. Here's the problem. While I think those things are ridiculous that we can't do them, again, I go back, I point the finger at us. It's the citizenry who is suing. And so if I'm the city and I know that if someone falls down... I'm going to be sued. I, you know, the city has to do what they have to do. I don't like it. I think it's ridiculous sometimes. But it's us who's to blame.
2: What?
6: Yeah, but uh, okay. I can't argue with that. People get up to get up in arms, and even at ice rinks, they they're protecting their kids from falling down, and all of a sudden they're they're running a claim on the fact that somebody got hurt. We're just stretching it too far now. If it's us. Um, you know, or or if it's cost, it could be cost
0: too. Well, that, you know, b- the two are tied. Frank, I got to run because I yeah. got a bunch of other people on the line. But thanks no, it's you, th- yeah. no thanks for the call. I appreciate that. Look, if we didn't, if we and I say we, not me personally, but I'm including myself as the public, if we didn't file stupid lawsuits and blame other people for our actions, we wouldn't have to have the city and the school board and other things taking sometimes seemingly draconian measures to protect everybody the truth. Meg, how are you tonight? Thanks for calling.
7: Oh, good evening, Scott. Thanks for taking this call.
0: Thrilled to have you. So What's on your mind?
7: The cold. <laughs> <laughs> just in
0: general? You're just done with February?
7: Uh, no, it's it's gone on for years, and, and what I come up against is many apartments in Hamilton have got many seniors. We're about 60% of seniors live in this city and rent apartments, and the City Council and the Mayor have a bylaw that they set the temperature of the um, heating in apartment buildings. Some of the heating is over 65 years old, the type of heating that apartments have got, which some of it is archaic, needs to be in a museum. The temperature has to be 20 Fahrenheit or 65 centigrade. When it's 30 below outside. That's
0: chilly. That is chilly. I get you, you for sure.
7: You've got no insulation in a building, and in Hamilton, especially some parts of Hamilton, we have what we call wind tunnels with the high rise apartments.
0: I believe it. Meg, I, I have to run to a we, break.
7: Yeah. I we, do. We need the council
0: to is, get I together
7: I, and change the temperature
0: heating i did not know about that thanks for the call meg i appreciate i did not know about that but absolutely if you're a senior and it's freezing yes if there are bylaws for that 100 didn't know that but it does have to be fixed
1: you're listening to the scott radley show podcast on 900 chml
0: a lot of people with a lot of things to say that's what it's for this is this is your platform to cleanse your mental palate Whatever you want to talk about, 905-645-3221, star 9900. You can talk about anything. Robert, Dave, I got you coming in just one second. Hang in there. Uh, if you want to call, we've got a few minutes left. Again, 905-645-3221, star 9900. Anything that's on your mind that you really want to talk about, this is your opportunity. Robert, how are you tonight? I'm not doing too bad. How are you doing? Scott? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind?
8: Well, I'd like to talk about that girl in Toronto who threw that chair off of that high-rise balcony, I'll tell you what.
0: <laughs> she doesn't strike me as someone who um, will be joining Mensa anytime soon.
8: I believe she considers it to be some sort of a publicity stunt.
0: Is that what they're saying? Yes. Not a very smart one, I'll tell you that. I mean, think think of, she's going to get charged with, I don't know what it is, uh, mischief and in, mischief endangering life or something. Imagine what happens if that chair lands in the windshield of a car and someone drives off the road and crashes and dies.
8: Oh, I'll tell you what, she'd be in some load of trouble then, man. But I got to tell you something, we need to make a bigger deal of this now before it gets out of town, I'll tell you what. It I'll is... Propane and Propane accessories.
0: It is, exp- it is dangerous for absolutely, for sure. Robert, thank you for the call. I really appreciate that. That's uh yeah. I mean, you know what, if you're chucking stuff and we've seen, you know what, we've seen people get seriously hurt and die because of stuff dumped off an overpass. This is, this was, I don't know how you saw the videos. How many stories up was this one? This was really dangerous. Let me go to Dave. Dave, how are you tonight?
8: Hey, I'm doing great.
0: Excellent. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind?
8: So what I wanted to talk about is it's awesome to see the uh, development in the city as far as, uh, you know, construction and people and activity and the vibe downtown and places in the city. But I still think that our city council is way too conservative when it comes to economic growth and development. My suggestion, if there's any of the politicians in our city listing, is they just need to look at cities like Mississauga and Brampton to see what they've done over the last 30 years, or even Milton, for that matter. And they need to ask themselves, how did those three areas become so economically viable? Because at the end of the day, if you build it, they will come. People will come. So people create jobs and not government. So... Forget the study. Well, they,
0: now, Dave, there's there's the first point, though, and I agree 100% with you, by the way. I agree 100%. But there's the first point where you're going to have some trouble convincing all the people of that truth, that people, private industry creates jobs and government mm, government uses money from taxes and private industry to, to maybe put forward other jobs. But you're right. You have to have people come here to, to do that.
8: At the end of the day, if you actually sat down and had coffee with Hazel, uh, Hazel would probably tell you straight up, you know, yes, there's a certain amount of studies and, and uh, you know, we need reports from industry professionals and so on and so forth to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. But things like LRT debated way too long. Things like stadiums in Hamilton debated way too long. The arena, I worked there in 85 when I was a kid. Michael Anlar's right. We need something a little bit different. Why not? Why doesn't somebody come up with a plan to say we need a convention center, uh, we need an arena, we need a, a new office building with a little bit of mixed use with a few restaurants? Think something completely out of the box. And it might mean Hamilton Place and the convention center might be down for a little while, but there's a lot of space in the core. We may just need to repurpose and rejiggle th- some things around, and you might be able to wedge in. An arena and a new convention space. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think people in Hamilton, you know, are happy that there's change downtown. Uh, it's just taken 30 years to get to this point. And uh, I remember as a kid, you go down to Cheapies downtown, you take the bus, you know, you go to Kresge's and Woolworths to have a sandwich on the bench and the whatever. The downtown was a viable place. Stony Creek and Bimbrook and all those outlying places weren't as busy and we've abandoned the downtown and it's nice to see, you know, it's coming back and people have thought that a viable city means a viable downtown.
0: Dave Fantastic. Dave, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Great points.
8: No worries. Cheers. Uh,
0: that is uh, the the big takeaway from what Dave just said yes, we need a viable downtown. Yes, all those kind of things. We need some decisions to happen post haste. We don't need to debate everything endlessly. And I'm I, I is there anybody listening who disagrees with that? Is there one person listening who says, "You know, we didn't do enough debating at city council about the stadium. We haven't talked enough about the LRT. You know, this Red Hill Creek thing. We just haven't delved into it and dragged it out. Make a decision. We need decision makers and I we need people who will make a decision without dragging it out forever and then stick to a decision. And if you believe, if you are a counselor and you believe in what you're voting on, if you are a believer that your gut, that your study, that your input, all those kind of things is correct, make your decision, stick to your decision. And if there are critics, there are critics but we seem to make a decision and pull up and make a decision and back off and make a decision and redecide, and make a decision and have more study and make a decision. Dave's point, let's make things happen. Make a decision and then let's move on to the next thing. The endless debating gets us nowhere. Thanks to all of you for called in. I didn't know how that was going to work today. Your say Wednesday. We may do that one again.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: O'Neill from CHCH Sir, how are you tonight?
1: Oh good, you know, midweek. Let had me
9: half
0: enough of the snow. Well, yeah, we've all had enough of the snow, I think. I think. Um, let me let me read you a line that I I started laughing at so hard when I read this today <laughs> that this is the peak of institutional optimism. All right. So this is a, a story that is at the CFL's official website. Because CFL Free agency opened this week, and things aren't looking so hot for the Eastern Division since every good player just about has bolted for the West. Anyway, from CFL.ca, this line, free agency has been somewhat of an equalizer in the East Division, which is shaping up for a competitive 2019 season. What do you think about that line, Bubba? Wow. Uh, (laughs) Competitive with who? The St. Thomas More Knights?
9: Well, I mean, I think it, it, I don't know. I I mean, I give the Argos credit. They actually reacted and made some moves today. Um, You know, some which I believe will help the team. Um, Montreal is a wild card because you just don 't know i mean they didn 't really do much, but I mean they they uh, 've sort of admitted that they 're you know looking forward to buildings for the future and and hopefully looking to get in the playoffs uh, Ottawa have been you know stripped of their goods <laughs> 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 i mean and i'm and i 'm being very polite here so um
0: ottawa's it, like it, the the car that got left in a bad area of town and you came out in the morning and it was up on blocks, and all the parts were gone yeah. except for the <laughs> chassis.
9: I mean, and what they've replaced it with, to me, just doesn't even cut it. I mean, they're good players, but they don't equal what has been lost. So, to me, the Tiger Cats are in an excellent position, to win the division, and that's and I'm and I mean it's Jan uh, sorry February, and I'm saying that I mean I cannot see how they cannot be the favorites to get to the to represent the uh, the East in the Great Cup with the roster that they have right now, and 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 they ha- they suffered some losses, but I believe there have been some excellent additions as well.
0: Based on the rest of the Eastern Division, the way things have gone in the last twenty four hours thereabouts, Baba honestly, it's February the thirteenth. The season doesn't start for February to March to April to May to June, over. Four months away from the start of the season, roughly, if the Hamilton Ticats are not playing in the Grey Cup next November, based on what's happened in the rest of the East, this has been a failure of a year. There is no way they should not be representing the East.
9: Well, I mean, again, and, and I say, and I agree with you based on, you know, if there's not going to be some trades or something that happened, uh, you know, in this time before the season happens that, uh, you know, and I'm talking about altering trades, uh, season-altering or team-altering trades.
0: Or or uh, or season-ending injuries, like if the cats lose five main players. I, uh, fine, sure, that's, yeah, that's, that's not Sosoli what we're talking were to, about.
9: You know, I mean, I, I know not even say knock on wood, but Jeremiah Soli would, you know, be, I don't know, like David Pasternak of the Bruins or something. Like that, that, you know, who this week was at a team function, and fell down and, and, you know, and then did some serious damage to his thumb, right? And he's out for two weeks, so, you know, if there's some kind of crazy thing right. that would happen. but
0: all things you know, being equal, absolutely, this team absolutely. is so far ahead of the other teams in the East.
9: And, and I think that's why Hamilton were very selective in, in some of their moves, because really they did what they did, and I appreciate this, because uh, they took care of their own. For the most part, they did lose Don Unamba and Larry Dean, who are, you know, all-star linebackers. But they made a great move in getting Legard Davis. And, 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 and I think there are players that are on that roster that are actually ready to take over as starters. And again, we don't know what other moves will still be made. But you're absolutely correct in saying that if you're going to Las Vegas tomorrow... Uh, it's fair to put down, lay down a little cash on the Hamilton Tiger Cats going to the Great Cup next season. Well, I would
0: uh, also lay down cash that the crossover will be in effect again, that the, the fourth-place team oh, in the West sure. will be better than the third-place team in the East. That, that I would put all kinds of money on that one.
9: Now, I will say this, the uh, I just don't know how it lines up now, because your BC have... Tr- you know done tremendous improvements to their team Edmonton were stripped of some teams but uh, boy give general manager Brock Sunderland a lot of credit he went wild and, and you know and p- picking up players that you know what should continue um, you know the winning legacy that they they do have there in Edmonton in terms of a, a team that did not make the playoffs last year I got to add that too so I think they're a playoff team Saskatchewan I think suffered I think Uh, And and you're talking about the heartland of the Canadian Football League, and I don't know if that's a playoff team, Scott.
0: Um, But Calgary is still going to be good, and Winnipeg had a great defense, didn't do much offensively in free agency. But you can't tell me that two of those teams are going to finish behind two of Montreal, Toronto, or Ottawa.
9: I'm, I'm, I'm i mean i should never say this because i mean of their track record i know bo levi mitchell went back to the stampeders but they lost a lot they lost their two best players up front, you know on their defensive line one is already, is now the highest paid player defensive player uh, in the league um and they lost some wide receivers talent as well too so
0: uh, but when has Calgary ever not replaced the yeah, guys? They always
9: find a way to replace guys, but eventually your luck runs out. Maybe so I'm I'm just putting them on notice. I mean, again, you're right. I'm on reputation. I would definitely say they're a playoff team, but to me, they're on notice. To me, the team that I'm worried about right now is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders because, first of all, I think they're going into it with Zach Caleros as their quarterback. And Zach has a tendency to be in and out of the lineup for various injury reasons.
0: The bigger I think, issue... I
9: think, this, Scott, I think the thing that really blows me away is that as it stands right now, the salary cap is $5.2 million. And we are seeing an increase across the board. Obviously, the quarterbacks make, uh, are making all the headlines, but everyone is getting paid. You're talking about Mike Riley, who was in the low $500,000 range as the highest paid player in the the CFL last year with the Edmonton Eskimos, and his new contract, which will pay him in excess of $725,000 for the next four years. That is an unbelievable leap in in salary.
0: In a very small salary cap league. And, you know, Rick Zamperin and I were talking about this on Scott Thompson's show yesterday, the problem with this, Bubba, is that this means when you put all this money into one or two or three guys on each team, because you know some of these teams now have a quarterback and have one or two other guys making big money, that means you've got to pay a lot of guys the minimum to fill out that roster. And the mm-hmm. problem is you now have a competitive a competitor in the States, this Alliance of American Football that is paying guys more money than the CFL minimum, that is on CBS nationally in their home country playing four-down football, you, you can go and pay these quarterbacks all the money you want. How does it affect the depth of your league at the back end? That's going to be the big question. Maybe not this year because it may, it may take a year to see if this AAF takes off.
9: Well, oh, I think it's going to do well. I think there's an, I, I can very much see that league becoming very much what the American Hockey League is to the National Hockey That's League.
0: That's a problem it for will the be, CFL. It
9: will, be, it will be a test ground for some of the rules that they've already tried, that they're already instituting this year, um, even just taking away the extra point and making teams go for two, that sort of action rule that they had in the World Football League many, many moons ago. Um, there are, you know, the I think there's only a maximum of five players that are allowed to blitz the court quarterback which should improve safety and a whole bunch of things that they're trying out in that league which which i could see in time the national hockey the national football league adopting um and you're right if you're from
0: uh wherever in the states
9: baton rouge and and you're one of those fringe nfl players that maybe got drafted in the fifth or sixth round didn't make the team um, you know what, yeah, There's a, there could be an opportunity for you to go to one of these teams which are kind of semi-aligned together. There is going to be, from what I'm hearing, relationships that are going to be built with each one of these teams, with the NFL squads, to almost be a, an area for you to go work out and improve your skills until you're maybe ready to get to the NFL. And will that hurt the, the CFL and some of its player pool? Of course,
0: well, especially at the back end where you are asking guys to come up here and play for minimum wage.
9: Now, maybe this is why uh, Randy Ambrose has just gone on the uh, on his on his Chevy Chase European vacation, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and 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 is you know forming these alliances with you know European football leagues, including the you know the you know the, you know, the we already seen the draft with the Mexican players from the Mexican the top football league in, in Mexico, American Football League in Mexico. Uh, and, and I think that's, you know, I think that should help. I mean, maybe there will be new talent that's discovered, um, an opportunity for players to come to Canada. But I've said this to you on, on your program before, Scott, and, I, and I'm all for this. Um, if this is the way the game goes, and there are less American players and an opportunity for more U-sports football players to get an opportunity to play in the football, Canadian Football League, I'm okay with it.
0: I, I don't mind it either. The only question I would have is, what do the fans who are paying the prices that you're paying now for a CFL game think if the level? Because we know that the, you know a lot of these guys that have come up from the big American schools, they are exceptional players. Maybe they don't fit the physical mold of an NFL player, but they're mm-hmm. exceptional players. And quite honestly, many of them, especially when they first arrive, are far ahead of the Canadian players. There are guys, there are Canadian guys that catch up and become, you know, Brad Sinopoli is now as good as anybody in. The CFL as a receiver, but he was not as good as the American guys when he first started.
9: Well, because he was a he because he was a quarterback. True enough, he came up as a quarterback. But I, I think if you're having guys and I I already in my you know in my sort of couple of years now with an association with the McMaster Marauders right now, I, I mean I compare that U Sports football, that OUA football, to what we saw just ten years ago. The athletes are so far superior than what we saw a decade ago, even five years ago. And what you're going to see is maybe an opportunity for these kids that have been playing the three-down game, big wide field game, that they won't have a transition. They will know more. I mean, every time we interview, we go, you, myself, Sky, we, we go down to, um, I almost call it Ivor Win, to Tim Horton's field when the Tiger Cats sign, a new player, and uh, what's the thing they say? Oh, it's going to take me a little bit to adjust to the Canadian game and the Canadian field. Well, these kids that will be playing youth sports, and, and maybe even uh, Canadian junior football, high school football, they would have been already acclimated to the Canadian game on the big field.
0: That's true. I I mean, I thought that back when Kyle Quinlan was coming out of McMaster and the question about his arm strength compared to American guys, and I said, you know what, I think you're right. I don't think his arm strength is at the same level as some of those guys, but he knows how to use the field in the three-down game that the American guys don't. So it's a trade-off. You're taking knowledge of the game versus physical ability, and in seemingly every case in the CFL, the coaches and GMs are going with the physical ability, and I've always thought I would love to see them say, "Let's see what a guy can do." A Canadian guy, a good Canadian guy, who doesn't then sit on the bench for four, five, six years and come in just to run the third down short yardage but plays. Let me,
9: let, yeah, I mean, but let me throw you this, there, Scott. Who are the who are the people making the decisions? Americans, American coaches, and American general managers that don't have that probably
0: didn't know much about. Qu- uh, Ban the wins. Yanks! Okay. Ban all the right Yanks! Here. Turn them away at the border if they play football.
9: I I, I can I mean, I can I mean. I I want. I want the best coaches. I don't care if they're from the states or whatever it <laughs> means. But I'm just saying that the that there's an automatic buy. I don't care how good. I mean, there are some outstanding quarterbacks. Let's talk about Merchant over at Western, a guy that's you know. Um, Hugo Richard from from Laval right now MVP in the Vanier Cup game just got signed by the Montreal Alouettes
0: and he's been playing professional football for four years.
9: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> you know, but, but like, you I mean you're, you know, will this guy get an opportunity? You know, he can throw the ball. He, I mean, he understands the game. He's a he's a mobile guy. And I'll say the same thing about Merchant. I'll say the same thing about the guys here at McMaster. You know, and if this. If, if what happens in the XFL and what happens in the, in the Alliance League uh, limits the amount of American players, I'm okay with it I, because I, I'm all for seeing some of these Canadian kids get opportunities to play, to play professional football. And I don't think that there will be a tremendous drop-off in what we're seeing today. I really don't.
0: Let me bounce back for one second to what's happened with free agency in the last 24 hours and the disparity that seems to be there now between the East Division and West Division because so many good players have gone. to the, the West was already way ahead and so many good players have now gone West from the East. Does the CF, I, I believe the CFL has a problem. I don't know how you solve it and I would say, well, it's cyclical. Some people would say it's cyclical and so you just wait it out except it doesn't seem to be cyclical because the East is never better than the west how do you resolve this
9: you you can't resolve it because scott the people that in the cfo office will tell you this um they'll they'll listen to your argument and then they'll show you the great cup winners over the past 10 years half of them are from the east
0: which is an interesting part because you can make the argument that maybe part of the reason for that is because the gro- the grind to get to the Grey Cup is far less in the East, so you Fair get point. there as a healthier team, especially Fair coming point. out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, over the last number of years, the record West versus East is so heavily leaning and... and The problem is not just who wins the Grey Cup game, and you're absolutely right about that Grey Cup record. You're absolutely right. Toronto's won it a couple times recently, and Ottawa's won it, and not Hamilton, but they've been there. Um,
9: (laughs) And Montreal were in the game for how many years? But
0: if you are trying to, A, sell tickets, and B, get people engaged and watching and really buy into this, who in Montreal, who in Toronto, and maybe this year, who in Ottawa... Is looking at this, going. I can't wait for the season to start. I'm planning my Fridays in front of the TV to watch CFL football. Nobody in those places is going to care because their teams are going to get hammered. And Montreal has well, been like this for years now.
9: Well, and you know Montreal doesn't does have a bit of a problem though. But I th- I do believe when I mean, we saw it near the end of the last year, there was a uh, a, a surge with Johnny Manziel being there. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're rebuilding that sort of franchise from the ground up. And, you know, you get – if they and I've always said this, Montreal is, is no different with, their, with the Expos or the Canadians, I mean, who have the biggest building in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, there are times over the last couple of years where there have been empty seats there. But in, the, in that community, in that market, when they win, they show up. And that's the bottom line for Montreal. little different here in Toronto and the GTA. Uh, certainly different here in Hamilton, you know, because you're right. This team has not won a great cup since 1999. And for as long as you and I have been going to that, uh, that facility, they've been announcing sellouts.
0: Let us say this. We got to go. Uh, the Ticats, I believe top of my head since 1999 when they won their last Grey cup, I believe their best season record was 10 and eight, I think. I think it's only been two games over five hundred. It's been a struggle to have one of those I, I, years.
9: I, I, I got a, I got an eleven and seven in my brain. In my brain, they're
0: okay. Maybe minutes. there was an yeah. eleven and seven.
9: Mm-hmm.
0: If they don't go thirteen and five this year, <laughs> because listen, there's only four. The, the sorry, there's five teams out west. They'll play them a couple. Of, if they can't go 13 five, 12 and six at the absolute worst, I'll be shocked. This, this is the year, just based on the fact they've got a team, they've got a lot of the guys back, there's continuity, they've got a new coach that everyone's excited about in Orlando Steinauer, and the rest of the teams around them have basically waved the white flag for all intents and purposes. If they can't put together a year, I don't even know what to say after that. I don't know what you do. I but honestly Scott, don't. But Scott,
9: they, they could finish 10-8. and eight. Have a home buy, have yes, a, have a yes. first round buy, and get, win one game and go to the Great Cup. In the East, and they no might finish.
0: In the East, they might finish four and fourteen and have the first round buy.
5: Stop that.
0: They may, but they're <laughs> not going to because the other teams. I here's my bet to you right now. I will. I don't bet, so I will bet you an invisible large coffee.
9: We're we're both there because we both don't wager.
0: I don't wager, but I would say if I did wager, I would wager with you right now that the Ty Cats will be the only team in the East to finish over five hundred this year. Oh
9: wow, <laughs> wow! No, no, but maybe you're. You know what? Though, I, I again, I, I don't have the the standings in front of my mind in my mind right now, but. Didn't only one team finish over five hundred last year too?
0: Probably, and now and and the
9: Cats five hundred.
0: Were they really not? We got to go. But what team from the East, <laughs> other than the Tie is playing against a Western Division team and going to be a favorite? None, none. And what? And you know what? We may see next year. One of those years. Remember, it was was it two years ago when at one point the West was some, up like something like eighteen and zero against the East. Yeah, and then it, was, t-
9: it was. I believe it was two seasons ago, but it was like for the first four or five weeks. It yeah, was
0: it incredible. was crazy. It was crazy. I, I, I we may see that again, and you know, at some point we can talk about this another day. At some point, the CFL. I don't know what they do. I don't know how you resolve this, but at some point you may have to do something. And I and I've argued long ago, and we don't have time for this right now that the way you resolve this is one division, you don't have two divisions, and you force teams to be competitive because now you don't automatically get in by geographic reasons. Oh, the
9: CFL is so unwilling
0: to I know, this. but that's that may be one way you force their hand. Anyway, we'll talk about that another day. Uh, in the meantime, you can watch Bubba tonight doing sports, doing weather. Hey, are the schools closed tomorrow, Bubba? I'll let you know at 11. There you go. Appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure. Good discussion.